Good evening, ladies and gents. Welcome back to another episode of the Fan Zone podcast. It is episode 31. Uh, and ironically, that's the minute we went live. Uh, so wow. thanks for joining us. Uh, we do appreciate all of you tuning in. As always, if you are watching at home, then uh, get your comments in. Whatever we're talking about, share your thoughts on it and we'll, we'll, we'll dig some of them out, put them on the podcast and you can have your say. If you are watching on Catch Up and wondering what we're talking about, then uh, you can uh, join us over on YouTube uh, and you can watch the podcast live and have your say about what we're talking about. And if that's of interest to you, then you can get us over on YouTube and it's at the Fan Zone Pod. We don't we don't have a preference, do we? But we do like the YouTube element. I mean, we like you all chatting with us. Yeah, it's, um, it's nice. Uh, but you may uh, notice something's a little bit different. And just uh, had a haircut, so uh, no, we're uh, we're joined by Chris this evening, and of course Colin, um, a familiar face on the podcast. So it's uh, a pleasure to have you with us, Chris. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Good to be here. Absolutely. Uh, uh, but as always, we will uh, stick to the agenda, and we will start <laughs> off with our. Post-match reactions, Chris. It only feels right to go to you first as the guest on today's episode. So, Chris, thank you. What did you, what did you make of uh, what did you make of the game against Burton? What did I make of it? Um, before the game, um, in fact, an actual conversation that we had before the game was: Would you take a draw now? Yeah, thanks very much. Um, post-match, not so much. I thought we did enough to take all three points. Um, I thought it was a professional performance without it being, you know, excessively good and positive. Um, but an improvement certainly on previous seasons, especially last season in terms of how we set up to uh, repel their you know, their typical aerial threat. I thought we did really well in that respect. We changed the way that we played and we mixed it up a bit. You know, we, we played as we would normally. And we also used, you know, a lot of aerial balls and a lot of long balls better than we have done previously. Um, so overall, no, I was really pleased. Obviously, there were some standout performances. Um Obviously, Adebay Ajo had an excellent game throughout. Traff was excellent. There's a few few standouts. Um, but overall, really pleased. I'm a big and firm believer in win your own games, draw your away games, sneak a win if you can. So, yeah, overall, pleased. But, yeah, I, I can see where people are coming from with regards to two points dropped. Yeah, absolutely. You can certainly understand the frustration. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, for those of you that watched the game, you'll know it was a, a game where it felt like not nothing was going to go right for us. We, I think we had the first five minutes and we were a bit fortunate with the goal that we scored. But after that, just felt like that that drop didn't come and we couldn't quite... Nothing was quite going in our favour. Colin, what did you think of it? Um, I thought it was a character... It was a characteristic performance, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Um, I thought it's a performance that ordinarily um, we might not have seen. Um, obviously, going one nil up was a huge positive, and especially going one nil up so early, so so early on in the game. Um, I liked the fact that despite them conceding, the reaction 
was fantastic and it's exactly what we kind of want albeit <clears throat> they didn't in the end get the goal that they probably deserved and, and took the three points they they, they they reacted exactly how we would have liked considering you know they, they conceded a, a, a goal and somewhat um difficult circumstances because obviously Traff made a couple of good saves prior to scoring it um so yeah that was good it was it was it just once again highlighted the the, the character that the the guys uh in the management of of installing to the players um and i was over over overall pretty pleased with a draw i think if that was full strength i wouldn't have been pleased with a draw under them circumstances but i think considering it was such a patched up team um and what we had to endure um in terms of how we changed our normal way of playing to adapt um i am pretty pleased um on reflection absolutely some uh, some very fair comments and uh a comment from liam that actually leads us quite nicely into our our next sort of point where we're going to touch on squad rotation obviously mm. randell williams came in along with george thomason and victor adabayasio uh, and wunderloo and obviously declan john Missed out. Uh, Liam said the lack of subs was confusing. Catcher and Sheehan could have dragged us over the line, he feels. Everett talking about fatigue, but only two subs uh, in the 78th minute. We need, we need to win the short term, and he's already pla planning the playoffs. Um, it's it's interesting uh, to hear sort of that side of the coin. I hadn't really thought about it, that perhaps Everett's you know, substitutions last night, or lack of, were... A result of looking at the long term, even yeah. as far ahead as the playoffs. But <coughs> I'd be interested to to hear what you both think about that. Whether you know, should he be focusing on the playoffs? Is it you know? I suppose it's the lesser of two evils. Do you focus on dragging yourselves over the line now, or, or mm. thinking about the playoffs and be confident enough that we're we're going to finish in them? There's an there's an old saying in the failure to prepare, you prepare to fail. Yeah, and I think obviously he must recognise that he's got enough strength in depth to manage the game and not make excessive amount of changes, be it during or before the game. Um, so I think planning ahead and thinking ahead of the next fixture is integral to, to us as, a, mm. as, as we move forward into these last few weeks of the season. Yeah, I agree with that. I think what, what I find really interesting, and I think it's fair to compare it to tournament football, so you probably look more at England level, that essentially you've got a mini tournament. So you've obviously, with last night, we had five games, so that's your group. And then you've got your playoffs, which are your last 16, your quarters. So I think it's a change, it's a change of approach by Ebert in that respect, that basically he's treating it like a small group. You've got to win your group and then you've got to progress and then you've got to progress again. So you, the way that you set the team up and the way that you set up your personnel and who you play starts to change. And you, you see it in tournament football that the group stages, the games are never entertaining. It's all about accruing points, just chipping away, getting points, getting points and making sure that you finish top or you finish best runner up in that group. And it, I find that I find that quite interesting, and I think that that is a reflection of the way that he sets up. And as Liam touched on, as he makes the substitutions, thinking two or three games ahead, 
and thinking about data and about levels, etc. And and who's on, you know, he's mentioned there's a couple of players who were teetering on an injury that would prevent them playing. And he's got to be really mindful and careful of that. So I think the way that he's changed that is probably reflected on personnel. And I think that's um backed up with his constant removal of Dion Charles through yeah. You know, as he's a Harry Kane, isn't he? It's like, you know, obviously at League One level, he's he's your he's your focal point. Yeah, um, he's everything that he's everything that we represent in it. Yeah, not in completely. Yeah. And he showed it last night in Spades. I thought he was brilliant last night. But you could, I, I find, I think you find it difficult to ever give Dion man of the match because it's so consistent. That yeah. press, that relentless press, that the buzzing around like a wasp, where he just annoys centre halves. It's just He's phenomenal and it's consistent. Yeah. So I did, I did have a slight criticism of him actually last night. Who did? Yes, very so slightly. Yeah, um, I, I, I noticed very early on in the game that the, the victor was very, very up for that yesterday. Oh, and I was, was, I was, I was hoping and praying that, that Dion had recognised it and, and just get amongst him a little bit more and try yeah. and play off him a little bit more. I think he let, he let him. <clears throat> I think he often. He almost left him to it a little bit because yeah, especially bit, with yeah. being his ex club, I think it, it was like. Yeah, I just think he, he did if he did sniffed around him a bit when he when he was obviously holding and shielding the ball and and Vicks was trying to bring in the midfields and yeah and he might have got a few more ricochets and he might have got a little bit more luck, but yeah, I that's think, too too much of a criticism. That no, I, no, I think it's a fair yeah. comment. And it's like you were saying last night, get around him, get around him, because we, we 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 were putting everything through. Obviously, majority of this time it'll go through Bradley, but I'll, I'll, the most went last night went through went through Vic. And yeah, and I thought our long ball was really effective. I think that's a, the first time last night that I've really seen our long ball game work. Yeah, not all the time. Obviously, it's progression, but it worked by and large, and I thought that was really really pleasing. Um, I, I tweeted before the game not to stoop to their level, but I'm, we we kind of did, but we did, we did it well. Yeah, we, we've been we've been you know we've been calling out for a plan B, and I th I think we we saw the real kind of like shoots of growth for that plan B actually being effective now. Maybe, and maybe that, that, yeah, maybe that's what. Sorry, Chris, maybe that's why they've looked to bring in a couple of centre forwards in in Vic and. Um, Dan, who are a little bit more physical yeah. for that yeah. reason. And it's going to take time. Around those subs, and I, I don't really get that. I, I, Dick Dion never plays 90 minutes. We all know that. We've already touched on why, especially now. So I, I think I think it just makes sense. You're not, you're not going to change your shape because it's working and it worked throughout. So you mm. just change your personnel and go like for like. It's, it's, it's really good points um, and a lot of the comments have actually agreed with a lot of what we're saying. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's to be expected uh, that the substitutions or the usual route of substitutions are likely to change now uh, as more and more players are one, out injured, but two, are really teetering, as you said, Chris, in that red zone yeah. on the verge of an injury and we have to be really careful with how we push them. Dion, especially, you've got to bear in mind, has been playing international football over the breaks and has been, you know, hasn't had a rest the same as perhaps some other players. So we've just got to really look after him and get him over the line. Um, but the way he puts himself about every week, 
he's just exceptional. And I thought Victor did that very well last night as well. Um, Chris, uh, sorry, before we before you mention ironically my dad's comment, uh, I just can we just um, say thanks to Pete at Limbrick for joining us for the first time live. It's very much appreciated. Um, Indeed. Indeed. I'm sure you would have done that, Ben, but I just thought in case you might have forgot, it might be worth mentioning. No, it was uh, it was one that I was going to go back to. Um, he actually echoed what Liam said, and he thought that Catcher and Sheehan would have come on. It was ironic that he joined right at the same point we were talking about it. Um, Liam's actually said again, he still thinks Sheehan and Catcher should have come on. Catcher Wembley since has looked great, and his game time has gone down, which... Um, I'm sure Everett has his reasons for it. It might be that he's, he's perhaps not quite at match fitness. He's not in that green zone that we, we'd need him at. Um, but I'm sure Everett will have his reasons, whatever it might be. Um, I suppose we can touch on, on, on two of the individuals that came in. Obviously, we've mentioned Vic, but the other two were Randell Williams and, of course, George Thomason. Uh, Randell coming in in place of John, who uh, I believe wasn't too well over the last couple of days. And uh, Thomason, obviously, returning from injury, has uh, come back with a, a seeming spring in his step. But, Chris, what did you... Uh, well, go to, you can have one each. Chris, what did you make of Thomason? Oh, excellent. I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad I got that one. Um, <laughs> hang on, let me find my tin art. Yeah. Um, I think before Cole joined and before... Every, the audience joined. We we were talking about coming back from the game last night. I opened my iPad at about quarter past twelve, I think it was, after a, a detour coming back from from Burton Cole. Um, <laughs> and genuinely, I mean, I'm not green behind the gills. I've been watching Bolton for a long time, but I was absolutely flabbergasted at what I read last night. Um, if I could summarise, I've created a, um, a lexicon <clears throat> of words and sound bites from Twitter, the social media app. That's a dangerous game. George actually. Thomason. Um, I'll not put names against them, but and I'm, I'm just generalising. I literally picked them at random. Um, and they varied from League 2 at best, vile, hideous, why do we persist with him? Send him out on loan. Shit. <laughs> and dog shit. Right. Well, okay. Two types of shit, not just one. No, that's it, isn't it? I mean, you know, we can scrutinise fecal matter all we want, but that, for me, I, I, sorry, no. It, it was like, Monday evening post Cambridge and the the the, the vitriol towards Luke and Bette. Same words, yeah. Same too, words. Yeah, You've got to think about what you speak, how, how you speaking, what language you're using. Because I'm sorry, that is not appropriate for somebody who pulls on a white shirt. And his performance certainly did not justify any of that. Um, his miss. Well, we can critique it as much as you want. Was it a little bit behind him? Is he a goal scorer? No. But I think to summarise it, if we cast our mind back pre-October when he was injured, I don't remember any of this. We were talking about new contracts. We were talking about future captain material. Um, and as Ange has just put in the chat, there are players 
the Bolton players. I get, I get it when I can kind of get it when they don't try. There's lack he of was, effort. He was relentless, Colin, wasn't he? Yeah, no, you're in your Dean Moxie kind of category. Yeah, I yeah, that. yeah. I get it then. Yeah, but but not with somebody of that of that. No, is, sorry, is no. And no. It, it, it was his first ninety minutes last night since he was injured against Bristol Rovers in October. Um, and no. No, it does certainly seem unfair to to not just criticise, but, but but what feels like overly criticise a, a yeah. player that's one just yeah. come back from injury and two didn't actually put in that that bad of a performance. He was no. actually quite good. Um, it's... He was either a seven or an eight last night. I think that's the only sort of questionable kind of measurement against Thomason last night. Was he a seven or was he an eight? <clears throat> um, uh, yeah, I was. I was blown away with what I read I think, last night. I think, sorry to interrupt you, Chris. I think um, this kind of backs up what I was saying on the previous podcast when I was talking about how you can judge and understand a player's performance when watching it through. So, um, I follow as a as a as a broadcast. Yeah, you're unable to understand how a player's playing within a game when the camera just follows the ball. Yeah. He was doing so much work off the ball yesterday, um, break you know breaking up play, stopping runners, um, managing the game himself for such yeah. a young lad. Loads of good stuff that you don't ordinarily see when you you're watching it on that that piss poor platform. Um, to one for a better word or one for a better phrase. And and you and you know what, you, you know, so it it goes from one end of the spectrum to the other, doesn't it? It goes from meltdown. To happy clapper, and but I think that there are so many shades of grey in between. There's so many different levels in between, and and I'm not saying don't criticise your players because you care, and you're gonna you're gonna be angry. You're entitled to, to be fair as well, aren't you? Completely. You pay, you pays your money. You takes your choice. You say your piece. Absolutely. I'm not saying that for one minute, but what I am what I am saying is vile, hideous. Don't put the shirt on again. He should be in League Two, um, and and the list goes on. The, the, these players see this. The club mm. sees this. I mean, what what? Where does it help in our preparation for the final push for the season? It, it certainly offers no benefit to the players, no. and if. If by posting that sort of stuff that gives you benefit, then perhaps you need to to have a look at yourself. Mm. Um, we'll move slightly on. We could probably talk about the joys of Twitter for for a long, long time. Yeah. But yeah, uh, we'll probably get best, probably best not give up. Not not to give them. Obviously, Chris hasn't put the names to the no. comments, but probably best not to give them as much kind of limelight. Really, absolutely. Um, so we'll touch on a player who who has actually. Uh, come into the squad and done okay, which is MJ. Uh, obviously, not playing at, at centre half for a very long time. Uh, the last time I think we touched on in the last podcast was two years ago, ironically against Bolton. But he's slotted back into into that back line and uh, he's done quite well to say the least. Uh, we had a comment on from David Jones and he said Bradley was great last night. I also thought Josh Johnson was superb and in fact MJ was too, which yeah. is a is another. You know, 
another individual that I think has, has perhaps received his fair share of criticism over the season. Uh, but it's good to see him, him doing well. Uh, obviously, Johnston as well, picking up minutes in the tank, which is uh, absolutely crucial heading into these final few mm-hmm. weeks of the season. Um, it'll, it'll bring him right up to speed and hopefully back at peak performance just in time for the all-important playoffs. Um, David Green has said MJ was his man of the match mm-hmm. last night, which is, which I mean... Showed. A fair point. I don't think he put too much of a foot wrong. Um, two individuals there. But another individual that obviously we will go and touch on. Colin, you can have yours. What did you make of Randell's performance against Burton Albion? Well, he is probably the reason why young George Thomason got so much stick because he's usually a scapegoat, isn't he? Obviously, um, I've noticed that Catcher scored at Wembley, of course, and Catcher scored at Accrington to get us to Wembley. So he's out there scapegoat equation now. So then swiftly moved on to Randall Williams, who yesterday performed very well. Didn't yeah. start great, I don't think. But I think he certainly grew into the game. Um, I think he's just lacking a little bit of confidence in certain scenarios, really. Um, the better that, but a bit of the fact that he's kind of not really a left-back slash left-wing-back, is he, really? He's a winger. Um, and you can kind of tell that. Um, and I don't think because he's... I think he's the kind of player that needs to be playing often as well because you see him within a game and he's sometimes can struggle to kind of get into the groove of it because he's not like too familiar with the players around him, if that makes sense. Um, there's certain scenarios where he's looking for passes that he probably shouldn't be or, you know, he's not making the movements that he probably should be because he's not knowing when to go and the confidence isn't there and all that type of stuff. But... What happened was like, as long as the, the, as long as that game went on, the, the more he grew in confidence and, and, and the better he performed. So, yeah, I think he, he's he's certainly not done any his, his harm. He's done any harm to his chances starting at the weekend. Um, but I think it's competition for places, which is good, and I think he'll he'll, he'll have a better season next season. Absolutely, uh, I think we spoke about in the car actually that that obviously at his time at Exeter, Randell primarily played on that right hand side uh, in a in an advanced wing back role, and um, it was interesting to to sort of discuss amongst ourselves really whether Everett's solution after seeing how good Bradley was for the first start of the season, looking at January, actually realizing that next season that, that there is very little chance of him coming back again uh, and bringing in Randell as a potential long-term solution for, for the vacant Bradley spot, which should free up in summer. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out and what our recruitment is in the summer. But I think we all agreed, actually, that this is quite possibly the biggest summer transfer window that we, we've we had so far under Everett, uh, the most important one to get right. I think it's very important, regardless of what division we're in as well. It's going to yeah. be... Very, very important if we get promoted, obviously, but it's going to be very, very important if we don't. Um, but I think every cha- every transfer window that we enter is as bigger or bigger than, sorry, is as big as or bigger than the last one because I think the evolution of the club is meaning that's, that's the case. Um, the evolution is ridiculous when you think about it in such a short period of time where we've gone from to where we are now. Sometimes it's easy to forget and you've got to look back or you've, you know, you've gone from, you know... Um, Delphons on. I say, I say what when we were so talking about this last night, Cole. You, you, you hit the nail on the head, and the image that came into my head was Plymouth away last season, 
Yeah. The third goal. Yeah. And that in, <laughs> interaction exchange between Brockbank and Baptiste, Baptiste yeah. in, in the in the torrential rain. And yeah. just to just to picture those two players only a season ago representing mm. Bolton to like you say to what it is now. Yeah. Just put it puts it into perspective. Yeah, that's not there's no slight on them too as individuals, not of course. Probably. You know, like Baptiste was a great servant in the M4 as anybody he was coming towards the end of his career, weren't he? And yeah. And, and, and Harry Brockman did as, as good as his job as he could under the circumstances, yeah. but he just wasn't good enough for the level. Yeah. But yeah, you're right, like twelve months. It's fantastic, really, if you think. It is indeed. It's certainly been a, an upward trajectory and a, a, a steep one at that. It is time for the fan zone man of the match. So uh, drop your comments on the live and let us know who you think deserves the man of the match award. But Chris, uh, we'll, we'll go to you first. Who are you? Uh, who are you awarding the imaginary metaphoric trophy to? George Thomason. Fantastic. So there. Not much elaboration needed on that nope, one. I think, we, uh, I think I've already done that. Indeed. Yeah. Colin, what about you? Um, he was one that I was thinking about, along with MJ and along <laughs> with Victor. Um, but I thought I'm going to give it to Victor. Yeah. At a beer job because I thought he was a focal point to our play yesterday. And he was probably the reason why we came away with a point probably should have, could have been three. Um, I think of the way he, he ran the line. I think he the way he held up play. I think the way he, he brought others into play, I thought how he, he was seemingly, the, the relationship with Dion is, is coming on a little bit yeah, better as well. And obviously you can see that a little bit. Um, I thought how he dealt with going back to his old club was good as well. Um, didn't phase him, he was up for it for the from the first minute. Um, probably his best game in a Bolton shirt yesterday. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's what we want from our other forward as well. We can't always be reliant upon Dion. We need to we need somebody to step up and step in for Dion. Uh, and he and he went a long way to, to kind of cement him his place as that, that that number one striker behind him. Absolutely. Um, I think I will echo what you've just said there. And I think my uh, chosen man of the match is also Vic, not only because of his performance, but I think considering the criticism of his recent performances, whether you think it's justified or not, um, to, to come back and come against his old team in, in what was not an easy selection for Everett to make, obviously, in Lundaloo had been impressed in recent weeks um, since coming back from his own injury. And so for Victor to take that chance the way he did, I thought was uh, exceptional and showed great character. So, so that's why Vic is, is getting my Man of the Match award. Uh, it was a very, very close one with uh, Thomason as well, to be fair. I was, there was a few last up. night, wasn't there, though, who, who they really, not necessarily shone in terms of technique and output, but just effort attitude yeah yeah an attitude definitely yeah, yeah. there was tons of it last night and you think about exeter second half and oxford second half when we just held on for for grim death in terms of the, the three points we just didn't do that and we reacted when they equalized so well and yeah. we've not had to do that 
in those last two away games that I mentioned. So to to flip like that and actually react, I thought it was excellent. Yeah. An absolutely fantastic point, and it actually leads us nicely. Uh, Everett said in his post-match interview that was our best performance since Wembley, which is good to see us, you know, after our, our, our trip out, growing into form towards the end of the season rather than what seems to be the, the trending pattern at the top of the table at the minute, which, uh, besides Plymouth, is actually teams growing out of form, uh, teams, you know, dropping points all over the place uh, in a really unforgiving league. Um but, but it's good to see us hopefully starting a good run into this, you know, final four games, is it? Um, it'll be, it's, it's exciting and it's promising. But I think possibly one of the, the causes for that turning form is obviously we had Wembley and the highs of Wembley have perhaps passed a little bit and, it, and concentration is back in the camp. Do you think there was perhaps... Uh, an air of complacency after that Wembley game. And that's perhaps the reason we didn't see those desperate performances and, and that fighting spirit that perhaps had been exhausted at Wembley um, and the highs of that day had perhaps took over a little bit. What do you think, Chris? I don't think it's complacency. I think it's inexperience of players having to deal with both, with a cup competition um, and obviously a, a, a push in the league to maintain that playoff spot. It's a real it's a real trade-off. It's a real difficult balancing act from a psychological point of view. I mean, to do both. I mean, you, we saw the drop-off after we got to Wembley post-Accrington, and then we saw less of a drop-off post-Wembley. So I, if you put it into numbers... We've got eight points from a possible 12. Mm -hmm. We've been six unbeaten, conceded three without Toll and Santos, but we've only scored, we've never scored more than one goal in eight games, in those subsequent eight games. So what that says to me is, it's like, right, okay, learn your lesson post-Aquinson when we took that dip and just basically grind out results. And I think I've mentioned it a few times. It's not performance now. And I think Everett said it as well. It's not about performances now. It's about points. And that's all that matters. And I think those numbers kind of back that up. The fact that we've grown, that we've, we've got a good haul of points. We remain consistent in a really difficult period in terms of injury and post Wembley. So I think we've handled it really well, better yeah. than probably a lot of people realise. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. And I, I would absolutely echo that just for the record. I don't think that there has been an, an air of complacency. It's just the question I was posing to you. Uh, Colin, what are your thoughts on it? How do you, how are you, what's your reaction obviously to us, to us finding that form again and, and grueling out results and, and, and having that plan B that, for most of the season, people have argued that we, we haven't had. Um, I'm looking at the, the, the results here after the since the Plymouth game. Exeter away. Very, very difficult place to go. 1-0. Cambridge at home. Last kick of the game. 
wouldn't have happened if we hadn't had all the injuries. But we did, but whatever. Got a point. Unbeaten still. Ox, Oxford away, scrapping for the lives, 1-0. And last night, decent point. There's absolutely no cause of concern for me whatsoever with them results. It's just, like Chris said, picking up, grinding results out. Um, and more importantly, trying your best to keep and maintain a run going into the playoffs. Yeah. Because that's going to be integral for us to be able to get through the semi-final to get the, to get to Wembley again. Because uh, you need to be on a run to, to get promoted, mm. I think, from through the playoffs. Because um, it breeds confidence. And, and and not conceding goals as well is only going to do them good. Especially with the captain out as well. And and, and, and Owen Hall has been such a good signing. So, I have no concerns. I think if we win, I think six points out of our next two will probably pretty much cement us in there. Because I think, given the fixtures of uh, both Peterborough and... Um, Derby, <clears throat> they're going to drop points. They're going to drop more points than us. So, yeah, keep the faith. And uh, Aiden says, "Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's a really good point from you both, and I uh, echo exactly what you've just said." Um, touching sort of off the pitch a little bit, many of you might have seen, uh, but for those of you who haven't, uh, Chris Markham uh, has been linked to the vacant Huddersfield job. Obviously, a, a person that has worked seemingly miracles in, in the transfer windows. You know, I mean, it's pretty difficult to say our recruitment hasn't been anything short of excellent over the last few seasons. Um, but obviously, with that success comes uh, the, the headhunting process of, of other clubs in and around the divisions that we're in. Uh, and one of them is obviously Huddersfield in the wake of a new takeover. Uh, have have seemingly identified Mr. Markham as one of their top targets. I think that uh, rumour has been played down by Ever in his presser this morning, I believe. Um, not really much to, to give an opinion on as such, but I suppose it, it's good to see that actually the people that we've got working behind the scenes and the, the assets that we have are actually proving to be quite valuable and yeah i'm keen to, to get your thoughts on it i think actually uh chris it's obviously nice to see um our staff being linked with other jobs mm. as it shows that we're making progress what are your thoughts on it though do you think he'll stay or go? I mean, suppose you're in his position. Are you looking at Huddersfield as a club with more ambition than, than Bolton Wanderers? Yeah, I am. I do. Oh, only on the basis of that there is a potential, well, not potential, it's happening. There is a, a huge takeover happening at Huddersfield, an American billionaire. They're going to basically top to tail it, completely change the club restructure it um key to that is is warnock keeping them up on a short-term basis which is sorry sorry chris i'm going to say you can always ask chelsea fans the uh billionaire takeover doesn't always no well well, exactly keep keep him out the dressing room that's for sure it's like but you can never say never and it's a like you already mentioned, Ben, it's a measure of success that if you're in League One and you've got a technical and performance director like Markham, who's ex-England, 
ex-Premier League with Huddersfield, working with Wagner as he did so successfully, <laughs> there's not a lot you can do about it. It's going to happen. Yeah. Um, you would hope that, you know, he, he's going to, you know, it's good, it, the Bolton project is going to be something which will be top of his CV because he's gone from League Two with, with Everett, adopted a certain model, recruitment techniques, proven window on window. I mean, it, that's that's success. But if a bigger club comes calling with money... Use, use that term very loosely. What's that? Huddersfield being a bigger club. No, I, I, I'm not saying they're a bigger club. No, what I'm no. saying is that the project yeah. that is happening is bigger than Fact the project that's yeah. happening at Bolton. Yeah. It's facts. Yeah. You do. Uh, and then, then that's why I keep harping on about the fact that and it does me hurting when I see fans and whoever else saying it's too soon for us to get promoted and all that. Like, you've got to get out of League One. A yeah. club of our stature and size really doesn't want to be lingering in this division for too long. I mean, bloody hell, they, they even pinched that, you know, they even pinched the, the idea of their stadium office, for God's sake. We were, you know, we were, we were, yeah. we were competing with Huddersfield. I mean, as long as I've been a Bolton fan, apart from the Premier League years, you know, it's always been, we've always been, not rivals, but we've always played consistently against them. They're no bigger a club. For, oh, absolutely not. But in terms of a job offer on the table, is it bigger than what he's got now? Yeah, it is. But yeah. I'm confident that he'll stay after all that. <laughs> Indeed, uh, I, I think I share that confidence that that perhaps he'll he'll, he'll stay as well. Um, but heading into the summer, uh, looking at players on the pitch, but also people off the pitch, who who are our, my question to you is who are our biggest assets uh, or our most valuable assets heading into the summer? Uh, ones that perhaps we need to be tying down to to new contracts or, or, or you know whatever it might be. Uh, if you're watching at home, pop your comments in who are most who you think our most valuable assets are at the minute. Um and perhaps give some reasoning as to why. But Colin, we'll go to you first. If you could just thinking off the top of your head, perhaps the top three, who who do you think are, are most integral, perhaps most valuable, but maybe even most important to us next season? I'm gonna go off value because I think ultimately we wanna use that money ball. Kind of approach don't we and look to buy and sell and make profit and buy again and whatnot um the three players that i would be giving offering a new contract tomorrow would be uh, owen toll um george johnson and aaron morley they are the three british of course which is important although a lot of our players are british of course but british players that are, are, are gonna hopefully increase in value over time i think it's really important that we get them on proper contracts as well you know three four year deals type of thing because we need to protect our assets <clears throat> and it's something historically that we've been as a club piss poor at um yeah so that's that's kind of it i mean it, i'd be very surprised if, obviously i think i might have mentioned on the last podcast um santos offered a new deal last summer didn't it um and i think i'd be very surprised if the three of them um didn't get some kind of offer 
Absolutely. Uh, I'll go through some of the comments before coming to you, Chris. Uh, Liam has said, George Johnston, Morley, Santos and Dion. Chris Burton has said, Johnston, Dion and Aaron Morley. Liam has also added Toll to his list, which is another good one. Uh, David Green has said, Dion is by far our biggest asset. And Ange has said, Georgie J, Dion and Toll. Uh, so, so familiar names and, and quite, you know, similar fields right across the board. Chris, are you uh, are you adding anyone different or is yeah. yours much the same? Yeah. Uh, James Trafford, Connor Bradley. No, uh, no, it, it, we all know, don't we? We, we? We're not stupid. We can see. Um, and I think it's you can see it from the comments. Absolutely spot on. Johnston, Dion, Toll, Morley, Lloyd Grove. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not coming on here and not saying his name. Sorry. I did opportunity that thing, weren't it, Chris? Yeah, I had to get it in there. But no, it's, yeah, the, the, those are the names that will all, you think about saleable assets. You spot, obviously, you mentioned Moneyball, Colin simple model in terms of data-driven recruitment low transfer fee to bring them in high transfer fee to sell them out and you apply that and overlay yes. it on those four players yeah. there's your money I, the D dion of course i didn't include him and, and the reason being I, I was just thinking about the age of the players that i mentioned yeah that's why i was thinking along the lines of contracts and value the, the value to us as, as players I so complete brain fart. How old is Dion now? 26? 26, 27, something like that, I think. Mm, Maybe slightly yeah. older. I can find out for you. Uh, Weird, something in the chat will get you there quicker than you, Ben. All right. I reckon it'll be Liam. 27 years of age. 27? Bloody hell. Knocking on, any. But uh, I, I think I'd actually I, oh, agree with the the pair of you there uh probably my three off the top of my head in terms of most valuable would be uh santos uh johnston and probably morley or toll uh, i'm not sure who offers more value uh, but those would be my three um I think it's great to mention toll though isn't it like if you think about oh. We've only literally just signed him six months ago. He was when, when we first signed him, not one person apart from Owen, Do Owen Doyle knew anything about him. No. League the fact Ireland. that he is an integral part of our our team now is just... And we miss him so much. It just says everything about him as a player, doesn't it, really? Yeah. Like, and, I, and I say that, we miss him so much. It's not had a, a massive detrimental effect to his metrics, as in goals conceded, but just as that figure and how he influences the way we play and how he's adapted to that. Versatility so as well, isn't it? It's really, that, his versatility is fantastic. Unbelievable. Unreal. What a Could find. You, yeah. He'll be back. Indeed. Um, just right across the board, uh, <laughs> the recruitment. Sorry, sorry, Ben. I'm just seeing David Green's comment. Oh, in Dahl to replace Chris Markham. What an absolutely Great belting shout that is. Yeah. Brilliant. It'll be recruitment, sla recruitment slash centre um, forward coach, wouldn't mm. it? Yeah, with a bag of, ball with a bag of balls after every session, teaching forwards how to put ball back at net. 
I'm all for that. All for that. Anyway, moving on. Uh, game in hand, of course, on the teams around us. Uh, still in a very good position for the playoffs. Uh, it is still all in our hands. We said the exact same last week uh, and said that Burton is absolutely crucial. And now the baton has been passed and Shrewsbury is just as crucial, if not more. Uh, obviously, that game in hand it will soon disappear. Um, what are you expecting from, from a Shrewsbury team that I think by all accounts have had quite a good season? Uh, perhaps if you'd have asked their fans at the start of the season, might not have pitched them this high up uh, come this stage of the season. But Chris, what are you expecting from, from Shrewsbury? Well, I'll tell you something. And this is for what for for those who actually went down to what's it called the Montgomery Meadow Stadium this season. <laughs> I won't be singing. You should have gone Christmas shopping to them. No, to put it that way because that came back and firmly bit us right on the arse. So we were leading, and all the Bolton fans were goading. The Shrewsbury fans were singing. You should have gone Christmas shopping, and then they beat us three two. So. Um, but unfortunately, it's April though, Chris. You'll be all right. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that as well. Um, the um, they've had a great season. And Cottrell's an excellent manager, he's no idiot. And they're, pro they're probably punching above the weight and their expectations of this season. However, they've not won in six, I think mm. it is now. Um, so they're they're hitting a, a challenging period. Although they did react very well last night, and we're unlucky not to get a result against Plymouth. Plymouth obviously got the winner in injury time, um, but it's all very positive from their camp, and it, it's not going to be an easy game. Um, I think the, the thing that will go in our favour is the fact that they will come to play football. They will come. Oh, I'm saying this kiss of death in it. They'll the lowest block you've ever seen now but they will they will come to play football and if any team comes on our manner to try and play football i think there's only one outcome personally so I'm well we can all keep our fingers crossed for that and just before we wrap things up we'll of course go to you colin what are you expecting from shrewsbury shrewsbury um i think that last night's game against peterborough sorry against plymouth sorry uh, in the 96th minute Callum Wright goal for Plymouth will knock the stuffing out of them, to be honest. I think they're on a very, very poor run of form. Um, the, looking at the stats, they didn't play particularly well. They only had three shots on target and they had about 30% of the ball. Um, but yeah, Plymouth absolutely battered them, to be honest with you, but they just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net more than twice. Um, and I think that falls on our own patch. I think the players will be looking forward to playing at home after a couple of away games as well. Um, I'm expecting us to put in a good performance and I think it'll be a comfortable win, to be honest. Indeed. Um, Plymouth, uh, obviously, getting that um, late equaliser against Shrewsbury, as Chris said, they were unfortunate not really to come away with a point, but I do think that we will be well up for it and uh and more than capable of, of, of getting three points uh just a note to, to to take heading into the game shrewsbury's team sheet against plymouth was uh very bare even more so than ours 
Uh, they actually only have four subs on the bench, as oh, I think yeah. they are a team that have, have been rinsed by injury. Uh, I'm not sure how up-to-date this is, um, but they've got five out at the minute, according to Transfer uh, Market. Um, I don't know how accurate that is, but they, they do seem to be missing a few numbers, even more so than us. But... Uh, Hopefully, we'll be, be joining you on Sunday with a three-point podcast. It would be uh, absolutely lovely. And uh, we'll uh, certainly be cementing that place in the playoffs that little bit more. Should we come away with three points? Um, more than confident that we will. But I think that just about rounds off uh, this evening's episode. Thanks, of course, for all of you joining us in the chat. You've been uh, busy as always. Pete, thanks for joining us for the first time. Obviously, we've got the regulars, Liam, David Green. Very nice to have you all, Mark, as well. I'm sure there's others that I've missed. Um, but, yeah, fantastic to have you all with us. And, of course, a big, big thank you to Chris for joining us. No worries. Come on, you white men. Absolutely. We will catch you in the next one. And, as always, if you aren't following us over on Twitter, get over there. It's at the Fanzone Pod. You can uh, catch all the latest info and everything we're up to over there. But can you can you up, can you give us a like on YouTube as well? Because I check it after afterwards, and I think there's about three people who tend to do it, and it's a bit sad. Like, can we get a few more likes? Is that all right? Don't take yeah. my to do just press it. That's it. There, there are currently twelve of you in the chat, so if we don't get at least six, I'll be. Uh, oh, I'll at be... least twelve. Because you can what people can like it after they after we've gone live, can't they? Well, we're currently exactly. on four. Not all we're currently on four, so we can't be doing too bad. So, uh, but all of you watching, give us a like. It re it, it does actually help uh, more more than you'd imagine. And go and follow us on Twitter. Um, tell your friends about us. Tell your dog. Tune in, whoever. Tell people you don't like is like a bit of a you know. Li listen yeah. to them talk about Bolton. Yeah, I mean, don't if, you don't like, if you don't like hands. us, <laughs> if, if you don't get like well us, and you, and of course, get well, and she sounds a bit like Darth Vader. Um, but yeah, tune in. We will catch you on Sunday, and uh, hopefully for a for a three point podcast. Take care. See you in a bit. Adios.